0: Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Dr. Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. With me, as always, bad ass strength coach in Denver, Colorado, Alex Friedman.
1: Can you hear me now?
0: Oh, I can hear you. I can hear you loud and clear. (laughs) Today, we want to talk about tapering and peaking. It's getting to the end of a lot of wrestling seasons, and there's also a lot of fights coming up on both mine and Alex's end. So, something hot on our mind, something that can help you guys immediately going into your championship seasons. And, Alex,
1: peaking and tapering, where do we start? Well, the biggest thing that I see, and I think the toughest pill to swallow for a lot of coaches, like strength and conditioning coaches included, and skill coaches, wrestling coaches, double included. is taking down your practice volume and you don't need to do extra conditioning after practice. (laughs) If you're not in shape by this point in the season, yet those extra 10 sprints, that extra live wrestling or that extra wonky conditioning drill, that's just always been part of your program is not going to help in the last three weeks of preparation.
0: Bro, that's not even conditioning. That's, that is, that's just getting tired. Like everybody needs to stop calling that conditioning because that's
1: bullshit. It's not the
0: same thing as properly timed a lactic sprints.
1: Sure. It's yeah. And it's mostly like a push make, make guys feel exhausted at the end of practice. Like it was really worth something. And it's like, to me again, it's like, just make practice worth something, right? Mm -hmm. Like do that thing. Well, so you don't have to be insecure at the end of practice. Like we better run them or they didn't work hard enough. It's like, Oh, let us that let's just work them hard enough you know <laughs> like well that's the biggest thing is that it's insecurity
0: right mm-hmm. that's for for most of the people doing it whether it's athletes or coaches it's that they're not a hundred percent confident that what they did in preparation leading up to this is going to give them the result that they want yeah and that that just needs to be changed because it's only going to hurt you in the, on that Back end of everything, right? If you overtrain at the end, you're going to feel fatigued going into your fight or going into your conference tournament,
1: right? Which goes into our, our peaking tapering type of talk is at the end of season we need to taper down in volume. So you're doing, you know, and and about the best way to quantify this is practice just literal time on the map, right? We we followed a good structure this year with the high school team that I coach. Where beginning of season, you know, um, October, November, December, it's pretty much three to 30. You know, we're we're grinding. We're putting in all the good technique. We're making sure we get reps. Excuse me. We're doing everything well, and then January comes around. Okay, we're still working hard. We're still refining everything. January is a pretty competitive month for us. We're gonna take it down. We're gonna leave at five, right? So that's you know back down to uh, about hour forty five, two hour practice, and then come, let's say February. I think we did start doing this three weeks ago, so. Two weeks before regionals and now we're in our state week so that's a three-week block essentially we're getting out at 4 30 4 45 right so it's only an hour hour 15 spent wrestling so te- tapering down in that practice time and mat time will allow you to be a lot fresher and have a higher intensity and to more for lack of a better term feel better going into mm-hmm. the postseason which is Hugely underrated. I think just athletes subjective feeling better.
0: Yes. Well, feeling good going into competition should be the number one goal. Like we've talked about that before sure. where one, one of our biggest indicators of success is going to be you feeling confident and in walking into the fight or the match or whatever that you're doing. Um, but one other way I wanted to pivot this too is coaches. If you're planning a tapering and a peaking cycle and we're trying to get to the end goal, which is championships <laughs> – try to make the time of your practice matter more. Right. So when I Agreed. say that is like, just like we peak and we taper in our intensities, you're probably not going to learn a whole bunch in your last month, right? Unless right. it's like one specific technique, but like same with like fight stuff. Like I, you normally want to stop teaching new techniques like two and a half to three weeks before the fight and just drill the stuff that that athlete's been doing over and over again in yeah. sparring to make it work. Like You don't need to go out there and make an extra 30 minutes of practice time of having these kids away from home, away from relaxation, and just watching you drill a a one little variation for a single leg that's probably one person in that room might hit if not zero of them. Like That's a waste of time in the room that could be avoided if we focus on what you want your athletes to get better at. Which not just learn but get better at and implement into their matches or into
1: the fight. Yeah, you're definitely in more of a refining and uh perfecting type of mindset. Like troubleshoot your positions and, and and make sure you cover what you've erred on before or, or make sure we're sharp there. But yeah, it's not a time to to whip out the new moves or try and teach new techniques or something like um I think that time comes beginning of the season, middle of the season, somewhere in there like mm-hmm when we tapered our or when we take down our wrestling practice time to five it's like hey i'm just gonna hang out extra five minutes if you guys want to learn some extra techniques or something i'm seeing you can and and it was genuinely like a stay if you want to not like a mandatory but optional type of bullshit right it was literally if you want to do some more wrestling you can stick around if not you're gone right and so that's when you can start to work in some new stuff and then that's your off season. That's really all your off season needs to be is like, or your out of camp phase is like, let's add new tools, see which ones I like, see which ones I don't get exposed to new styles. Just put more tools in my tool belt, my more weapons on my back, more availability um, and stuff. So you're definitely your practice content should be curated along with the peak and taper volumes and intensity. So I completely agree with that.
0: Yeah. And the cool part is how you peak in strength and conditioning is actually extremely similar to how you peak in skill stuff, right? True. You want to decrease volume and you want to decrease complexity, right? I'm not adding new shit into your strength and conditioning routines two weeks before the fight. That's a wa- That's a waste of everybody's time. And it's an increase in complexity and making you think about just one more thing when you should just be right. focused on one goal, winning the fight. Yeah, It's, it's a kind of cool duality that both strength conditioning coaches and skill coaches, that's why communication is so important. Being able to talk back and forth between the two are going to be tapering the same way. So we need to make sure everybody's on the same page in that tapering cycle, if you will.
1: Yeah. And that complements your intensity, right? We're talking about making practice time worth more. Like the less complexity that we add, specifically from a strength conditioning standpoint, the more we can just go. We can be extrinsic. I don't need to cue you on how to do this Zercher squat. We've been doing, we should have been doing this Zurcher squat for about three or four weeks, right? So it's, let's just get to work on it and then we can drive intensities and outputs rather than what we talk about, I feel like a lot or what we specifically talked in our Stability, uh podcast is about like internalization and, and feeling the movement, right? We, that's not a, that's not an end of camp, <laughs> peaking, tapering no. type of discussion. End of camp, peaking, tapering is like, just fucking go, just explode, explode, right. jump, you know, do anything as hard as you can. and you shouldn't have two thoughts about what's this new footwork what's this new punch i'm throwing what's this how how do i do this submission again you know that is going to be a relatively sunk cost at the end of your fight camp because more likely than not you're not going to go to that submission you don't really know in a fight
0: right yeah there's very few people that are that gifted at learning a new skill that right. you're going to immediately implement that right away. Most of the time, what you're going to do under extreme stress situations, which is just competition is you're going to revert what you're most comfortable with Right. 99.99% of the time. You're not going to be most comfortable with the thing you just <coughs> learned that week, True. especially in a high stress match, which is championship season.
1: Right. And, and yeah, and, and there's something to be said for getting caught in positions that you didn't quite predict, but Again, we're going to bet on the, the fact that we can influence our style of match and we'll end up in positions that we've seen before. So you, you definitely hope for that towards the end and maybe not having your new skills put in or whatever. But I think there's, like we talked about, athletes feeling good. I think there's one more layer to this peaking and tapering that we're talking about and that we can definitely feed into from a strength and conditioning side or even like a practice um, tapering side, which is the athlete's mindset. Right, We can really zero in on that, and that being our most important thing going into a fight. Austin, what kind of um, concessions or what type of additional things do you do for your fighters as they're peeking into their fight? Or do you think of anything mindset-wise that you do? I, so I only do mindset
0: with a few fighters. Sure. Most of the fighters I work with are, are pretty dialed in on that. Um, from like tricks that I do or what I try to have them do on their own, like mantras and stuff like that. Cause I, of course, like visualization, obviously a massive part of preparation going into fight week. If you can visualize what you think is going to happen, it is more likely to happen. Right. Um, and it makes you more confident in preparation, like from the strength and that, and that's more of things that the athlete can do himself. Right. Things that I do as a coach to increase, um, different positions are or different uh, confidence and going into fight week is I'll do as the lowest um, weight that I could for their favorite lift. Right. And have them explode. A lot of them are going to pick like a trap bar jump shrug or something like that, where you get Mm -hmm. to, you're jumping and shit and I'll have them explode. And I'm like, do you see how fucking easy that feels compared to beginning a camp? You got this. Like yeah. you, you don't even think about anything. Do you know how easy that fucking is? And of course that's the first movement I pick. So the full energy store, like of yeah. course it's going to be the best thing, so you're but it's
1: gaslighting it, a little bit, huh? <laughs>
0: fuck it. It's going to, what is gaslighting, right? It's going to make you more confident in what you're going to do. Sure. As long as you trust the preparation and you trust that you did everything you could do as a coach to get them to their goal. What's wrong with giving them a little gas to light their flame, because that's just going to make them feel more confident in their preparation. Now, Don't just go out there and fucking lie to somebody. Like if they show up to one session and they're going and fighting in the UFC for the entire camp, don't just be like, yeah, man, you're super conditioned. You're ready to go. That's fucking gaslighting. Like, you know, that motherfucker is going to be tired and he's going to be weak. But if you guys have done anything and everything you can do and they just need a little bit more push or a little bit more confidence, fucking throw that at them, they're going to feel great. And they're going to be able to feel more confident in everything because they can see and feel a difference in that exact same movement eight to
1: 10 weeks later. Absolutely, man. And I think you, you, you gain a lot of confidence from that, but then it's like, it's also automatic for the athlete. Like they, they get into their chat bar jump, right? Let's see. And it's like, I know exactly how to do this. I can really focus on the outputs. I don't really have to, you know, consider, like the, the idea of, am I good or bad at this does not even cross your mind. Yeah. Right. And and I think that that's the place you have to be in your mind. I can't be thinking like, what's this weird new thing?
0: Yeah. And uh, so I got a really cool story about that. Cause I 1000% gaslit somebody at his, I was cornering him. Um, And to make him feel more confident. And I knew it was going to happen. And he did the work and did everything and it paid off. And he went out there and knocked him out. So Adam Stewart, my heavyweight boxer, he, we were doing those 90, 90 hip switches. Okay. And then we were going up into a shin box and he hadn't been able to do those without putting his hands on the ground yet. And I knew, dude, he's been doing this. I mean, we had been working together for about seven months at this point now. And I'm like, I know for a fact he does those at least twice a week for two to three sets of 15 each way. He can go up into a shin box by now, but I haven't had him try it yet other than the first day when he tried and fell on his ass. So we're at the fight in the back. I'm warming him up and I'm like, Adam, we're going to go 90 nineties, but we're, we're going to go into a shin box this time. And he's like, and I was like, really? And I'm like, yeah, man, like I, you got this. Like, I know you, I, I didn't say it, but I'm like, I know the fuck he's going to get there. He had no idea he was going to be able to do it. He goes out there, fucking reps it out, reps out just 10 each way. And he looked at me, he's like, I've never been able to do that. And I'm like, I know, dude, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> like, that's a testament to the, the work that we put in this entire camp. Like, go out there and do your thing. Well, goes right. out there, gets a first round
1: knockout. Right. Like No, it, and yeah, that just put, primes him and puts him in the right mentality. It's a little gamble for sure, but I mean... Again, you are the only one that knows the risk in that. But Bro,
0: I'm extremely confident in my abilities
1: in that, in that setting. We fucking know. We all know, Austin. <laughs> um, but no, that's dope. Like you said, it just puts you in the right mindset. Like you, you, It's not going to logically track, but it'll, it passes. For, excuse me for my millennial speak here. It passes the vibe check. Right? Passes the like, vibe check? Ooh. I know, right? It's, you just dude. got that much cooler by saying that. <laughs> but No, it just makes <laughs> – it, it puts somebody in the right mindset. And that's the mindset that I want my athletes to be in when they get to this championship season or there, like right before their fight. I want you to be loose. I want you to know that you've put the work in been confident in the work and like, hey, we're just going to go out there and have fun. We're going to live by the sword. We're just sending it, right? We're not tight. We're not anxious. I know there can be a lot of reasons for – that type of mental stress going in, like obviously, there's a lot riding on a lot of opportunities that you have, but that's why at the end of this wrestling season, we started like let's play games for a warm up. Let's do handball. Let's play slap back. Let's let's mix in some features to help enjoy and keep everything super positive and light. Because then our athletes are going out there, go out on the mat, and they'll be able to just wrestle. They won't just be so tight. They won't be so so burdened down with expectations or with um anxiety right so it's like hey man it's your thing go out there and send it let's like be confident in our preparation let's stick to the game plan of course but there's no reason not to be loose yep. there's no reason to be um uptight unless it is it is a case like you said where you haven't done the preparation you ha- you're not confident in your in your ability so um that confidence piece in the weight room, I think, is a big. I mean, I say weight room, but I'm, I mean in the practice room too. Is such a big piece of this peaking and tapering that you're supposed to both physiologically like feel good and be able to crush your workouts, but you're also supposed to mentally crush your workouts and get an extra boost from that. Mm-hmm. So. The way that we orchestrate that is exactly what we've been saying right we we hit the, the same things we've been repping all all year all fight camp we lower the volumes which allows us to increase the intensity which makes it feel like we're in the zone makes it feel like we are crushing it we we lighten the atmosphere and make the mood a little bit more geared towards whatever your athlete needs like and i say lighten the atmosphere i like that some athletes need it to be serious some athletes mm-hmm. that's just their personality right and that's fine too but we allow the athlete to to thrive in their environment.
0: Right. Like that's that's Vanessa. Like she's happy-go-lucky until like the last two weeks of her fight camp and then she needs it to be extremely serious the entire time. And it's it's cool to see the disparity cuz I was not that way. Right. Like I, I was the opposite. I'm like locked in when I'm trying to learn shit at the beginning of the year and then as soon as it gets to the end like I'm just fucking I'm just fucking around the whole time.
1: Dude, it, it was a it was a good learning curve when I was an athlete to figure that out. I was yeah. I wrestled the best when I was loose and didn't give a fuck. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to have some fun. This is wrestling. It's a sport that I love and enjoy. Let's just, let's go see what I got. That's when I 100% wrestled the best. Anytime I got tight or like took myself serious or like, oh, it's a big match. I better crank up the music and hop around and make sure blah, blah, blah. It's like, I re- went out and wrestled like a can, right? Yeah. Like just awful, like straight up and down and just so tight, but um. That's that's what, that's what was
0: cool when we beat Wartburg that year. Yeah. That's everybody we had. I remember, I can like remember that bench right there. Like after I think Ryan won or Dustin won or something, I went out there and won Casey got a pin. Everybody, as soon as Casey got that pin, everybody else's tension just melted.
1: Dude. Like we're like, Ooh, let's fucking go. That was, I'm going to paint this picture of Casey too, because that was one of the sickest things I've ever seen. Because I I don't know, I don't know where I've seen it around now, but that was the first time I ever seen anybody hit this technique. So he's (laughs) our, what is he, 149 pounder. He's going out there. He's wrestling number one ranked kid in the nation. This guy's super, um, like technical super tough Casey is so loose and flowy. Yep. Um, this is our old wrestling teammate from University of Wisconsin lacrosse, he's so unorthodox in almost every place that he wrestles, and so it, it's kind of like a, a gamble when you throw him mm-hmm. out on the mat. It's like, man, he's either gonna catch somebody in his funky stuff or he's gonna be, you know, kind of throttled by the hustler, right? And it was that type of match where the other guy's moving a little bit better. The other guy's a little more intense. You can kind of see that. The other guy gets in deep on a single leg and, like, elevates it, right? And we're in a single leg position where Casey's on one foot. The other guy has the foot elevated and is kind of trying to gather the other foot from behind. Casey leans back in and ankle picks him with his foot up in the other guy's chest straight <laughs> into a near side cradle and into a pin. And I'm just like – he, he I, was after, the- I,
0: I was running my wind I was running my after the after my match, and yeah. all I hear is like I had I was about to finish. All I hear is fucking, Whoa! fucking screams from everybody. I sprint back in there, and I just see Casey getting
1: up there, just nodding his head. Yeah, it was wild, man. But yeah, I'd never seen somebody go back for an ankle pick with their foot in the air, and I'm just like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was huge momentum in that match. So that was really cool. But like you said. It was loose. Everybody yep, kind of free flowing. let it go. Yeah, yeah. so that's but, part of the argument for peaking tapering, right?
0: Yeah, well, I got one more piece and then sure, we could skedaddle. From the therapy side of stuff,
1: um, one major
0: thing that I feel like clinicians need to know is the closer we get to the fight, those same things that we were talking about with strength and conditioning and skill coaching also apply to on the therapy side. Like typically the closer we get to competition, the more that athlete might just need muscle work over dry needling. Like the more that athlete might just need a little bit more like, like manual work as opposed to rehab. Like you don't need to be throwing. I I love my DNS. You don't need to be throwing a new, like highly dense neurologically or neurologic movement in as the rehab. It's okay to just do a fucking lateral bandwalk and you can get the same goal. Um, but There's a lot of different ways like we add in too much complexity sometimes at the end of camp because you want to help. You want to show them that they're going to get better. You want to do everything you can for the patient, but you're not going to fix anything in those two weeks. That's what you have to realize. It's we need to get them to the fight or to the matches as best as they can. And then once that they're done with competition, then we can start working towards fixing the issue. But in the short term, confidence is king. And we need to go after after building their confidence with an exercise they know that they can do, focused on the goal of their injury.
1: Right. And I feel like healthcare gets thrown into this position a little, like obviously a little bit more than strength or skill coaching does. But we have to, at the end of camp or when we're peaking, you prioritize feeling good over actually fixing the issue. Yes. Right. Um I get thrown in that position a little bit just with like low back stuff when people come in with super uh general complaints but it's all about helping them leave feeling good and you know, like you said maybe there's a systemic problem there but if we're not going to fix it in the next 2 weeks we kind of need to just focus on getting them to the fight getting them through it. like mm-hmm. like there's you see and I mean you can extrapolate that argument everywhere like maybe an athlete has a small flaw in their trap bar deadlift but it hasn't hurt them for the last 10 weeks right mm-hmm. I'm not going to reconstruct and super cue how good they are at a trap bar deadlift two weeks before the fight, right? We're just going to go, we're focused on outputs, you know, and you can do the same thing with your skill coaching. Like maybe my athlete, every time they throw their two, their elbow wings a little bit, right? right? Like that is an error that yes, needs corrected, but not in this exact point in time. Right. So, um, and again, healthcare is in that position more frequently because, because of a flaw in our society that we only go seek out healthcare when something's wrong, but so that's the point. Um, Soapbox jumped right. off, but yeah. Prioritize the feeling good aspect rather than the the kind of systemic problem as we're peaking and tapering, as we're getting lower on all the volumes, as we're decreasing the, the junk work, we're increasing the intentional high intensity focused works So lower volume, higher intensity, better vibes, quote unquote. So all about the vibes. Does it pass the vibe check? Austin, (laughs) I believe
0: this conversation did. (laughs) So uh, if you guys got to get in touch with us at all, all of our information is going to be at the show notes. That's going to be both our emails and our Instagram. Um, We have our programs. We have our memberships. We have free content. What you need to do is head on over to our website, buildingafighter.com. That is buildingafighter.com. That's going to be where you get all the different programs, memberships, merch, um, anything to support us in supporting you guys. So head over there, the membership option. There's going to be four different options, our Building a Fighter membership, as well as strength, mobility, and conditioning. So different ways to boost all of those different uh, tactics. So, this is Dr. Austin Chan,
1: Alex Friedman,
0: and we are out.